go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. The way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. The slugger does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hand refuses to labor. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. I pass by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, and the ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw, and I considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man." The sluggard says, there is a lion in the road. There is a lion in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. Amen. Thank you, Mary. You can be seated. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful uh, for the chance to worship. We're thankful for the chance to gather uh, together as a family and especially, God, as a part of our worship, uh, that you have not uh, left us um, in silence and clueless about who you are and who you call us to be, God, you have spoken to us. And so, God, we pray that you'd give us ears to hear, eyes to see. God, may we be uh, diligent in seeking you with all of our heart. And may you, by your tremendous grace, continue uh, to meet us even now. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Today, I, uh, I want to show you what, what Proverbs has to say, uh, as you picked up from what Mary just read, uh, what Proverbs has to say about the sluggard or the sloth, and to help you feel just how, how painful uh, the sloth is, I wanted to show you a clip uh, from a movie you may have seen called uh, Zootopia. So I'm going to show you this. Uh, I need you to run a plate. Flash is the fastest guy in there. You can run the plate like that. Wait. They're all sloths? Are you saying that because he's a sloth, he can't be fast? Flash, flash, 100-yard dash. Buddy, it's nice to see you. Nice to see you. 
too. Hmm. Officer Judy Hap, CPD, how are you? I am doing fine. Well, what? Hang in there. Can I do? Well, I was hoping you could run a for you. Well, I was hoping you today. could. Well, I was hoping you could run a play for us. We are in a really big hurry. What's the plate? Two nine T number. Two nine T H D zero three. Two nine T H D zero three. H D zero three. D mm -hmm. zero three. Zero. Three. Hey, Flash, want to hear a joke? No! Sure. What do you call a three-humped camel? I don't know. Pregnant. <laughs> Priscilla. Oh, no! Yes? Flash? What do no. you call a three-humped camel? Uh, pregnant! Okay, great, we got it! Please jump. Ah! Hurry, we've got to beat the rush hour in. It's night! That That's so painful. Like, I I watched that twice, getting ready for you, and I had a really hard time standing here. <laughs> I was like, how long is this two minutes? It is so... Being, being a sloth, being, be, I, I am that rabbit. Like, if, I hope I haven't done this to you where you've picked up on it. So now I'm just showing my cards. If you, if you talk like that sloth, I'm like, hey, 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 come on, come on, come on. I need, you know, I just, man, I, I just can feel that, that rabbit's pain. And I just, I live that way. I'm so impatient. And it is, it is pain, painful for me. I shouldn't have done that. That like threw me off to have to just like sit here and wait for them to end. Uh, I edited that, and it was so slow. But we, that, that, that's what a sluggard is, right? That is the, a sloth, that's a sluggard, and, and it's painful to, to, be, to be around that. And the Bible's description of a sloth or a sluggard is even more painful than that. When we read in the Proverbs over and over again about this sluggard character, and isn't that a good word, sluggard? I mean, it just sounds miserable, sluggard. When we read uh, of this character, you know, a sloth animal is just, it's just living how it's created, right? I mean, it just can't, doesn't, it doesn't have a fast twitch muscle in its body. It's not doing something wrong. But the way the Bible talks about, the way the, new, the, way the book of Proverbs talks about a sluggard, this is not how we are created to be. A sloth is moving slowly because that's how it's created. We, when we are acting like a sloth, when we are sluggards in our lives, we are sinning against God by not acting how we were created to be. The, the way the, the book of Proverbs describes a sluggard is painful. Listen to just a couple of these. Proverbs 26, 14 says, As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard in its bed. Man, what a miserable picture that the person is just so hinged to their bed, they, they can't get themselves out of bed. That's how lazy they are. Uh, verse 15, the, sl the sluggard buries his hands in the dish, and it wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. 
What an awful picture of laziness. You're, you're, the food is right there in front of you, and you got your hand on it, and you're too lazy to bring it to your mouth. That is a, a painful description of somebody's character and their work ethic. And beyond just uh, being intolerable to sit through, like that clip, uh, the way that the Bible talks about being a sluggard, being a sloth, is that it's, it's dangerous. It's more than just painful, it's, it's dangerous because it, it could cost us our life. This, this is about our characters, this is about following God, about imitating Christ. And if we are stuck in a sinful, slothful lifestyle, it could cost us our life. If you've been with us through, through this summer, we've been studying the book of Proverbs. And this is still a, an expositional series, meaning uh, that I'm continuing. My commitment is always to you is to just expose the Bible to you. Uh, you, you don't want, and it would not be helpful to you if I just gave you my wisdom. That would not be worth much at all. My authority, our only authority, comes from God's Word. And so our job here is to expose the Word of God to you. But whereas most of the time what that means is we preach right through a book from start to finish, the book of Proverbs is kind of arranged in a different way. So what we're doing is we're asking a question each week. What does Proverbs say about blank? And we've picked a different topic, still exposing God's Word to you. So this week, we're saying from beginning to end of the book of Proverbs, what does it say about our work ethic? What does it say about working diligently? Or in the, the negative side is being a sluggard. So this week, we're looking at the slack, slothful, sleepy sluggard. Those are all words used in the book of Proverbs to describe somebody who has a terrible work ethic. And I, let me tell you this, if, if, if you can call me lots of things. You can call me ugly. You can call me dumb. Don't call me a sluggard. Don't call me a sluggard, right? I don't know about you, but if, you, if, if, if somebody in, insults your work ethic, if somebody says you are lazy, that is about as, as awful of a, a criticism. as I, I just, I could not stand the idea of somebody calling me lazy. And so maybe you're like me, and when you first read that word sluggard, or you, you see the sloth on there, you're like, I'm definitely not the sloth, I'm the rabbit, you know. And so you think, there's no way I, I'm, I am falling into this category of a sluggard. And the way we defend that is say, just look at my calendar. Look at how many things I have to do this week. I'm way too busy to be lazy. I don't have time to be lazy. In fact, it might be nice if I had some time to be lazy. Maybe that's, that's what you're thinking. That's what I thought when I first come across this word sluggard. Hey, that's not me. I got too many responsibilities. I got three kids and a job, all this stuff. No. But yet when we dive a little deeper into what it means to be a sluggard, it's a lot more than just being hinged to your bed. We think, hey, as long as I'm busy, I'm not lazy. But the root cause shows up in a lot of different ways. If we, if we push past just our, our first perception of what a sluggard is, we dig down to the root, we're going to find that this branches out in a lot of different ways. Like a, a, being there, if you're looking at a, a big bush, right? The one branch may, may be a pretty big distance from another branch, but they go down to the same root. So it is with a sluggard. If we can dig to the root of what a sluggard is, we'll see some of it shows up in ways we expect. And some of them look very different, but it comes from the same sin and the same root. So what, what is the root cause? What's the root of a sluggard? Well, there's two passages uh, two of the, the verses that Mary just read for us about a sluggard that I think are helpful here when we're trying to find what's, what's the root. Proverbs 13.4 says, The soul of a sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly applied. Similarly, Proverbs 21, 25, and 26 says, The desire of the sluggard kills him, 
for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. You hear in both of those passages this idea that the sloth, the sluggard, is desiring something and it's not being fulfilled. They're craving something and it's not being satisfied. At its core, sinful, the sinful uh, nature of being a sloth or a sluggard is rude. It's a, it's, a, it's a sin of desire. We desire something and we desire the wrong thing. So the sluggard is always going to be frustrated because it's desiring something that it shouldn't be desiring. So here, here's what I want you to, to see about the sluggard. The sluggard craves and craves, but only the diligent is satisfied. The sluggard craves and craves, but only the diligent is satisfied. Being a sluggard is a desire problem because at its core, a sluggard desires comfort and comfort at all cost. A sluggard is willing to pursue their own comfort above anything else. Tony Renke with Desiring God Ministries uh, gave that chapter, gave, he wrote a chapter in a book <coughs> and uh, gave that definition. Sloth is craving for personal comfort at all costs. So when the sluggard comes to a decision, he's going to choose it based on what makes him the most comfortable. That is the, the deciding factor to a sloth. So then they say, hey, this is going to make me comfortable. This is going to make me uncomfortable. I'm going to choose comfort every time. That is what a sloth chooses. And what we read in Proverbs is that that desire to be comfortable, to find rest, you don't actually find it by pursuing your own satisfaction. It's a desire that will just continue on and on and you'll never truly be satisfied if you're just looking out for your own comfort. If comfort is your number one goal, you'll never really find it. You'll never truly be satisfied. So I, I didn't want to put all this in your bulletin, but I'm just give you a quick eight, eight different ways this shows up. Eight different ways that being a sluggard is about pursuing desire, your own selfish desires, and never really being satisfied. And the first couple I think you would, you would associate with a sluggard. These are the kind of things you think of. So the first one is that a sluggard sleeps too much. Where you read, he's like a, being hinged to the bed. He can't even get out of bed. He's like a fish just flopping back and forth. He's got nowhere to go. Uh, Proverbs 19.15, slothfulness cast into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. You, you, you're, you're so lazy, you just fall asleep all the time. That's one version of it. Uh, Proverbs 6, 9, How long will you lie there, O sluggard, when you, you arise from your sleep? And uh, what I love about the sluggard throughout Proverbs is that multiple times it repeats the exact same verse verbatim in two different places in Proverbs. And as I thought about that, I guess that makes sense because a sluggard is so sleepy and not paying attention, you better say it twice or else they're going to miss it. And so that happens multiple times. Proverbs 6, 10, and 11 are exactly like Proverbs 24, 33, and 34. They both say this, A little sleep and a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to the rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So this is a picture of somebody craving more and more sleep. And the more sleep they get, they just want more sleep. Most of us you know, have too many young kids or are just too busy to remember very many times this happens. But I can remember back pre-kids when, when there was a time where, you know, some weekend or something, I would sleep past that eight-hour mark. Do you remember that? It's kind of foggy, but I think I remember that. When you get to that, like, nine, 10, 11 hours of sleep, have you done that before? You know, you get to this weird zone of, like, you're foggy, and you, you don't really want to get up, and you're not rested, you're not 
sleepy. You're, you're just kind of in this no man's land. You've been there? Can you, do you remember that? And, and it, the only way to, getting up feels miserable, laying there feels miserable, and so you just kind of lay there longer and longer. The only way to get past that is to like get up, take a shower, get going, and then, and then you feel better. But you got to push past the discomfort. The sluggard is a picture of somebody that's just so caught in their sleep. They get, they're just stuck there, and they're not going anywhere, not getting out of bed. That's the first one. The second one is similar, being too lazy to work. That's what you probably associate with a sluggard. Proverbs 6, right after it, Right before it challenges you to get out, of, get out of bed, it says this. It gives you the ant as your example. Proverbs 6, 6, and 8. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief or officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. So while we're laying in bed being lazy, the ant is out working tirelessly day or night, and nobody had to, had to tell the ant what to do. And he gathers all that he needs so that he's ready even in the winter. The ant is a hard worker. Are you? Are you working as hard as the ants out in your yard are working? Same way Proverbs 24, 30 to 34 happens, describes what happens when we don't work like the ant. He says, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, and the ground was covered with nettles, and the stone wall was broken down. It, it, this field is just totally overgrown because nobody has worked it. I mean, this is true today that, that land is, is valuable, but even back you know, in ancient days, even more so because they couldn't just go to the grocery store. If you owned farmland, that was your source of food and your source of income. And this person is so lazy that their, their field has just overgrown and they have nothing to eat and no, no way to make money. It's just overgrown. The stone walls are falling down, yet this person is just too lazy to work. And it's almost unbelievable. The picture there of, of like, like we already read, the sluggard, that's another one that's repeated twice in Proverbs 19.24 and 26.15. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and it wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. Now, I, when I read that, what I picture, I know King Solomon did not have grits. I know that's a southern thing. That was not there in the ancient world. So he wasn't picturing this, but this is what I picture. I picture a giant bowl of grits, like a big one, like bigger than your hand. And somebody just sticking their hand down in the grits and just looking at it and wanting it, but being too lazy to just uh, bring it to their mouth. What a disgusting picture of being so lazy you can't even feed your own mouth. But that's the picture of what happens when our hearts are stuck in a pattern of sloth, laziness, being a sluggard. Those are the first two, and maybe what you most commonly associate when you think of sloth. But the ones after this, maybe are a little bit, they're, they're, they're disguised laziness, but they're coming from the same root. The third one is somebody who doesn't plan ahead. Somebody who doesn't plan ahead is a sluggard. Proverbs 20, verse 4, the sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. So you hear that? Come harvest time, there's a picture of some guy who is gung-ho and ready to work. I picture him as the, the first day of harvest, the whole community knows it's the day of harvest. Maybe, maybe this guy was the first guy to wake up. Maybe he, the night before, had gotten all his tools ready, and he's, he's excited to go to work, and he's got everything prepared, and he's the first one out, to the, out of the village ready to go and harvest. But the problem is, it's too late. He could have been willing to, to work as hard as he wanted to that day, but it didn't matter because he didn't work six months ago to get the field ready. You see, we can be diligent today, but if we weren't diligent before to prepare, then we could have nothing to do. Sometimes diligence isn't just showing up, it's planning ahead. 
It's working ahead, thinking through what needs to be done to get ready for the work. I'm guessing far more of us are guilty uh, of that one than just sleeping too much. Sometimes it's hard to think. We're willing to work with our hands. Sometimes it's hard to use our minds to plan and to get ready. The sluggard may crave a harvest, but if he doesn't plan ahead on preparing it, he'll, that desire isn't met. He's, he's not able to get what he needs. Or maybe the sluggard was planning ahead, but he just never got around to it. Maybe that's the way we read Proverbs 20, verse 4, is that maybe a different, the fourth type of sluggard is that he was a procrastinator. Maybe when it says that he, he didn't plow in autumn, uh, he was thinking, yeah, it's, it's, it's time for, for plowing. I'm going to plow tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes, he says, well, I got, I got something else to do. I'm going I'm to plow tomorrow. And tomorrow and tomorrow, and he's putting it off, and before he knows it, it's springtime, and he just kept putting it off. Proverbs 24, 30 to 34, uh, talks about that field where it's all overgrown. Maybe that didn't happen by, intentionally. Maybe the guy said, yeah, tomorrow I'll go, I'll go and I'll clear out that, that spot and get it ready. Or tomorrow I'll go repair that wall, and he just keeps putting off tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. I, I'll confess this, of all the forms of sluggard, this is the one that gets me. I, I, I am so likely to work on something today, but really I don't need to, and tomorrow I'll just push something. You know, I just, I get so focused on one thing and can leave off what really matters. I, I read this guy, uh, Scott Hubbard, was writing about, uh, compared uh, procrastination and anxiety. Anxiety comes from borrowing tomorrow's worries today. I'm worried about tomorrow today, and I get filled with anxiety. Procrastination is the opposite. I'm putting off today's work and putting it into tomorrow. And so I'll combine the two. I'll worry about tomorrow so much that I'm not doing today's work. You might do that. It's so easy for us to get filled with anxiety, and it just leads to paralysis, not doing what we need to do. Maybe like you and me, sometimes we get distracted by useless things. I've watched some pretty amazing YouTube videos of people building incredible tree houses that I didn't need to see. Like, it just was not worth my time. But other times, what I waste my time on is just not doing the most important thing. You know, preparing this takes thought and effort, and i got to work hard at this. And, and many times I make this long list of people I want to call or text or check in with, and, and then I get an email, or then something pops up, some news headline, and, and it's important for me to, you know, stay in touch with the world and keep up with current events. And, and I'm not doing something bad. I'm just not doing what's the most important. Sluggard can be a procrastinator, and it's the same root, the same cause. We're desiring and craving, but not being satisfied. Another important thing, part of being, not being a sluggard is learning to do the important thing, not just the fun thing. Proverbs 15, 19 says, The way of the sluggard is like a hedge of thorns. So Scott Hubbard writes, Eventually the procrastinator's life and relationship will be filled with thorns that he refused to pluck. Not putting in the work causes more problems down the road. The fifth type of sluggard is one who gives up and doesn't finish what he started. Proverbs 12, 27, Whoever is slothful, will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get a precious wealth. He already, this guy already did the hard work. He caught the animal. He went out, set a trap. He did the hard work. Now he caught it, but he doesn't finish the job. He doesn't actually cook the meat. He just doesn't finish it. So many times our sluggardness, being a sluggard, comes from starting something and not finishing it, not finishing what we started, which leads to maybe one of the most common forms. We just always have excuses. There's your sixth form of being a sluggard. I love this one. Proverbs 22, 13. This, another one. It's repeated twice in Proverbs. Proverbs 22, 13 and 26, 13. The sluggard says, There is a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. And I had to look into this because I thought, maybe he's just 
you know, that's a, if there's really a lion outside, that's a good thing. Don't go out there, right? But I, I went and looked, and, and yes, like the ancient world, you know, Daniel in the lion's den, uh, King David killed a, a lion with his bare hand. There were lions, but not in the streets. It'd be like if you, if you bought well, downtown Fountain Inn, if you bought one of the shops down there, and you called and said, hey, Philip, I got to do some renovation on this work, uh, on, this, on this building right here downtown on Main Street in Fountain Inn. Will you come help me? I just need another set of hands. I said, hey, I would, man, but, but there's coyotes in the street. I, I, can't, I can't come. You would look at me like I'm crazy. Are there coyotes around? Yes, but they're not running around downtown Main Street. That is a ridiculous excuse. That, that is an absolute lie. And it's a way to just get out of work. There's not, some, there's not a lion in the street. So what he's doing is he's making an excuse. And the problem with our excuses is that so often we begin to believe our own excuses. We really think they are true when everybody around us because there's, there's no lions. <laughs> there's no lions. You have a, next time you, you go to give a, a reason for something, test yourself. Is this an excuse? Are you just getting out of something? Are you believing your own excuse? Or are you actually seeking the Lord? I've heard a lot of them about not coming to church. We all got reasons, you know. All got reasons. Seventh reason, seventh way of being a sluggard, uh, seventh way this shows up is our own arrogance. 26, 16, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. He's made so many excuses for how he's living. He begins to think, he begins to believe his own message, and he's wiser. You can get seven people together who all agree. This guy's lost it. He's not right. And the, the foolish man, the sluggard, won't believe him. He's too lazy to admit he's wrong because if he admits he's wrong, he's going to have more work to do to go back and apologize and make things right. And he's too lazy for that. I said the eighth one for last because I think this is the most common. And it's another one that's repeated twice in Proverbs. Proverbs 12, 11, and 28, 19. They're actually slightly different. I'm going to read both of them. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. But he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. In Proverbs 28, 19, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. So the eighth type of sluggard is somebody who chases the wrong things, chases worthless pursuits, chases the wrong things. Again, this illustration's from farming, and so you can, you can see it. And so just imagine what this would be like. This would be like somebody who, again, owns all kinds of land, all kinds of farming land, but he decides he's going to build a barn. And so he spends an entire year working really, really hard, spending good money and building a barn. And, and, and so he's waking up super early in the morning and staying out late at night. He, he spent together the best materials, had the best. He planned ahead. He got everything together. He worked so hard. And everybody that comes by says, man, that is a beautiful barn. But all the while, he left his fields and didn't touch them. So nothing was, no, they didn't plow, they didn't plant, they didn't water. They didn't weed, and so nothing grew. And so at the end of that year, he grew nothing, and it leads to poverty. That is a terrible, terrible picture of a sluggard because he can look busy. He can look so busy. This, uh, the procrastinator, man, that'll get you. But this one, chasing the wrong things. What, what are you chasing in life? When you wake up early, it's a gift. God gives us as a gift to sleep. He gives to His beloved sleep. You take your rest, but then you get up early and you charge the day. You are chasing after something. You got a mission. You got something to accomplish. You stay out late. You're working hard. You're doing whatever it is with all your might. You're like, I'm not a sluggard. I'm working hard. I'm busy. 
Are you chasing the right things? When you catch that thing, what's going to happen? Or are you chasing something that doesn't matter? For the farmer, he's got to work his field. For you, what's, what's, what's your role in life? Are you, are you pursuing your wife? Are you pursuing your kids? Are you chasing after relationships? Are you investing in people? Are you investing in the kingdom of God? Or are you just building bigger barns? And like Jesus told the man who built a giant barn, he says, oh fool, this very night your soul is required of you. Are you seeking after things that matter? Or are you just craving and craving and craving and never really satisfied? Maybe that's hard to hear. Maybe it's good to be honest. But if we are a sluggard and we never face it, we'll keep craving and we'll never be satisfied. Derek Kigner said, The wise man will learn while there's time. He knows that the sluggard is no freak. But as often as not, he's an ordinary man who's made too many excuses, too many refusals, and too many postponements. And it's all been as impossible to perceive and as pleasant as falling asleep. As pleasant as falling asleep. Richard uh, John Niehaus defines sloth this way. He said, it's evenings without number that are obliterated by television. That's neither entertainment nor education, but just narcotic defense against time and responsibility. Whew. He's got fancy words. So I'm going to say that one more time. Narcotic defense. Just, just making yourself numb. So I don't have to think about time, and I don't have to think about responsibility. That's what the sloth is. Can, can you be honest? I, know I gave you eight. I know it was a long list. But that's all through Proverbs. That's the way sloth shows up, where you're craving and craving. Can you, can you be honest and say, some of those, that I see temptations in my own heart. And as much as I, I hate it, don't, don't call me lazy. Don't call me sluggard. Are there places where you say, yeah, I, I'm a sluggard there? Can, can, you, can you confess that to the Lord and, and repent of Him and repent to Him and say, God, I need, I need you to change me. I need you to change me. Because if we don't do that, you may have heard it even in the, in the verses we were reading, the, the outcome for that kind of lifestyle is very dangerous. Very dangerous. The sluggard, sluggard brings harm. The sluggard brings harm while the diligent brings flourishing. This being a sloth, being a sluggard may seem like, hey, you're just kind of hanging back. It's not the big deal but it is very harmful to people around us. Proverbs 10, 5, He who gathers in the summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in the harvest is a son who brings shame. It embarrasses people when you don't work like you said you were going to. You become unreliable. People can't count on you. Proverbs 10, 26, Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the slugger to those who send him. You, are, you become a pain, a thorn in people's side. You become smoke in their eyes. When you don't do what you say you're supposed to do, it's harmful to those around you. They can't depend on you when you're lazy. Whoever is slack, Proverbs 18.9, in his work is a brother to him who destroys. We cause damage to others when we're slothful. But it's not just others we hurt, it's ourselves. Harm to others and harm to ourselves. The most common result of being a sluggard in the book of Proverbs is poverty. Now, of course, poverty can come from any number of ways. COVID hits, the stock market crashes, death in the family, somebody uh, abuses us, natural disasters. Poverty can come from all kinds of ways. But if we don't work, that is a way that poverty is going to come. Proverbs 8, 28, 19, He who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. I've already read a bunch of them to you. Uh, Proverbs 14, 23, In all toil there is profit, but mere talk only leads to poverty. I think it's six or eight times poverty is the result of not working in the book of Proverbs. Over and over again, you desire for things, but if you don't work, it harms you 
and it harms other people. Proverbs does not beat around the bush. It is straightforward. It calls it like it is, tells you the truth. And I have to appreciate that about Proverbs. We read in the New Testament, if you don't work, you don't eat, right? And so here it is in Proverbs laid out for you. We cannot go around acting like and following a slothful lifestyle and say we are following God. Does anywhere in your life resemble this kind of characteristics, these kinds uh, of living? Maybe you were dismissive of the idea of a being a sluggard at first, but after you walk through that, I wonder if you see that and see the harm that it can cause. And if you do see that in your own life, if you see that temptation and you see, man, I've tried to stop doing this, but I don't really know where to begin. I have some good news for you. Maybe it doesn't sound like good news, but this is good news. God hates your slothfulness more than you do. God hates you being a sluggard even more than you hate being a sluggard, which means God can be at work in your life to begin to change you, to begin to redeem you and restore you. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. When we repent of sin, we say, God, I I see this desire in my heart to, to not get out of bed, to be lazy, to not show up on time, to not put in the work, to do less important things, to procrastinate, to, to, to chase after things that don't really matter. God, I see this in my heart, and I'm laying it down before you. When we, when we confess that before him and give it to him, he is at work to begin to change us and draw us to himself. What, what, what is it, what's the opposite look like? What's diligence look like? Well, I'll tell you what the way Jesus describes it. Maybe it's not quite what you expect, but here's the way Jesus tells us to live. Luke 9, 23, it's also in Mark 8, Matthew 10. He said to all of them, if anyone would come after me, Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Here's Jesus' invitation to the sluggard today. Jesus invites the sluggard to take up his cross and follow him. Take up his cross and follow him. If you spend your whole life craving your own personal comfort and seeking after things that just make you feel good, Proverbs tells us that desire is never really going to be met. You're going to be empty. You're going to just chase after it. You're going to crave and crave and never be satisfied. But if you decide to lay your life down, Jesus tells us that's where you find your life. When we lay down our life, when we sacrifice our life, that is when we truly find it and we are given life. John Piper uh, maybe gave me the best quote on productivity that I read uh, leading up to this. He says, getting things done that count come from a great, glorious, wonderful future possibilities that take you captive and draw your pursuit with all your might. So what he's talking about is we got somebody to follow. If you are passionate, if you are on fire, saying, I, I know this God and I'm going to chase him with all i got. Jesus went to the cross and I'm, I'm going to follow after him. Whatever it takes to follow Jesus, that's who I want to be. Then all the other stuff in life, man, it'll, it'll get in line. If you just say, I'm going to follow Jesus with my whole heart, then we'll figure out how to be productive. We'll figure out how to get the things done. We will do things that matter. We won't procrastinate because we're following Jesus. If you have a big vision of God, that He is as good as He says He is, and He is at work like He says He's at work, then that, that changes everything. And you can pick up your cross and begin to follow Him. We, we need a desire for something greater than your own comfort. If we get to the end of our life and all we have to say is, I made myself comfortable, 
then that's miserable. That is absolutely miserable. But if we can get to the end of our life and say, I follow Jesus, that's worth it. That is worth it. The sluggard tries to desire, what he desires is his own comfort, his own peace, his own rest. But we all know where true rest really comes from. It comes from being in heaven with God forever. That is our ultimate peace, our ultimate rest, our ultimate comfort. And anything less than that will never be satisfied, will never be satisfied. The sluggard craves and craves, but only the diligent, only those who pick up their cross, those are the only ones who will truly be satisfied.